Hello and welcome back. This is Adam Rosen. You're listening to the Total Knee Tips and Pearls podcast. So we've been covering, um, you know, a bunch of uh, articles, classic uh, classifications, and you know, I got a bunch of other um, topics that will be um, coming your way in the future. But um, I wanted to just kind of, uh, kind of briefly talk and just kind of freestyle a little bit um, about something that. You know, again, if you're listening, you're probably like me, you're a knee geek. Um, We really kind of geek out on um, knees, knee replacements, knee arthroplasty, kinematics. But something that did come up in the operating room the other day, um, which I thought would be interesting to share with you, and although it's not a um, simple um, question with an answer, um, I I just think it's going to give you some food for thought when you're doing knee replacements. And you know, like anything, um, you know, we see in the knee replacement world, um, things come and go, you know, so cement and then press fit and then cement and now press fit again. And, you know, PS versus CR versus PS versus ultra congruent versus medial pivot. Um, you know, and then the newest kind of thing that I'm hearing more and more, you know, about, um, well, I guess the, the the last thing that seems to have been coming back and forth um, has been the tourniquet versus no tourniquet. But even more so lately, it's been the, you know, resurface the patella versus don't resurface the patella. Um, and again, like anything, uh, it is not as simple as um, I don't resurface the patella. The question is, if you don't resurface the patella, do you do a patellaplasty? Do you remove osteophytes? You know, what amount of arthritis visibly do you consider leaving it and when do you replace it? You know, do you do um, any type of radiofrequency ablation or, you know, burning with the bovie to de- um, desensitize the area and denervate the area? So, you know, it's not just I cut it and put a plastic button under, press fit a plastic button, um, cement it or leave it. It's if you leave it, you know, what do you do? So that is one part of the question. The other part of the question um, I want to bring up again is kinematics. So if you're a younger PGY, you know, right now your idea of patellofemoral kinematics is um, lateralize my femoral component, medialize my, patell- my patellar component. And I was there, and it gets really confusing because if you evert the patella, are you medializing it or lateralizing it, right? And that happens all the time. You're thinking, I got to medialize it. But if you are looking at it upside down and you medialize it, you're actually lateralize it. So, so, and depending on what side of the table you're standing on. So, you know, just remember that the dome apex, you know, if you can bring it over medial and then shift your component laterally. Now, if you try to replace it anatomically um, and you appropriately size your femur and you appropriately rotate, you know, and balance, usually it lines up quite well. Um, and I think, you know, people that understand the kinematics of the knee have very, very low lateral release rates. Um, however, if you're struggling and you notice that you're doing lots and lots of lateral releases, you know, and that being said, you're not doing like severe fixed valgus deformities, um, you got to question, you know, why and what's going on. So there's too much to discuss here as far as kinematics, the trochlea, rotation of the femoral component. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail there, but what I'm going to talk about more is the contact forces of the extensor mechanism in the patellofemoral joint. So it's something I think a lot of people don't really think about, and this is what came up the other day. So we had a person that was sort of between sizes, and the question again was, well, 
if we um, leave this size component um, and we cut the anterior cortex, you know, how thick is the trochlea? And the bone that we remove, you know, some people you'll see it's significantly thicker than the implant. And in some people it's very, very thin. And if you take too much, you're going to notch. So when we were deciding on this, the discussion, you know, was, okay, well, if we leave this, um, this is how much bone is going to be removed from the trochlea. And if we anteriorize it, you know, again, we're going to open up our flexion gap. Hopefully it balances. Um, But we're going to take even less with the bigger size. And if we downsize and anteriorize, you know, we'll take a little bit more um, both off the back. But if we're downsizing, we take a little bit more off the trochlea. So a lot of people aren't always thinking like they're making the anterior cut and they're thinking, you know, anterior posterior referencing, I just don't want to notch, you know, and am I flush with the anterior cortex? But you always want to keep in mind how thick is that bone? Because if it's severe patellofemoral disease and it's dysplastic, it's going to be thin no matter what. But if they have a very high trochlea with a thick trochlea and you're cutting it so you're flush with the anterior cortex, you may have opened up that extensor mechanism contact force. It's like opening up your flexion gap and now you're loosened flexion. So the contact forces of your extensor mechanism and the fulcrum and the efficiency of the extensor mechanism could be lessened. So do you cut your patella first? Because if you cut your patella and you resected it or maybe a little bit more, you know, now the question is, can you get a thicker polyethylene component? So what system do you use? And how thick are the polyethylene inserts? You know, because for us in this particular instance, we were sort of between sizes and the bigger size was a millimeter bigger thickness and the smaller size was, you know, a 10 versus an 11. So, you know, in this situation, we're going, you know what, you know, we cut, you know, a little bit less um, and we had cut what we felt was an appropriate amount because it was isometric with the quad and the, and the patellar nose, but it was still a thin cut for most patellas. And with the bigger polyethylene insert, the knee was balanced except for the extensor mechanism. So extension, varus valgus, collateral ligaments, PCL. But when you put them into flexion, the PCL wasn't tight. There wasn't liftoff. The rollback was appropriate and anatomic, but the extensor mechanism was tight. So you have to recognize, you know, if someone just felt the knee was, oh, they're tight in flexion, I'm going to downsize or release the PCL. That's not the problem. That was not the problem in this particular patient. But again, because I'm thinking about these things the whole time, right away I knew, oh, I know what this is because we took a thin trochlea cut and the patella was thick. His tendon was thick. The patella cut was thin. We were between two sizes. We used a bigger size. So we had a thicker patellar um, button. So it was all of those things. It's not just restoring the composite thickness of the patella with the button to the preoperative thickness. Um, it is matching the kinematics of the patellofemoral contact forces in the joint itself. So in this case, you know, we were flush with the anterior cortex, so I couldn't take more bone um, off of the femoral side. In this particular instance, it was flush. You know, if we tried taking more bone, we'd be notching. So in this particular case, you know, we, we very gently released a little bit of the quad tendon. It was extremely thick um, to protect it. Took a few more millimeters of bone with the saw cut was able to downsize, you know, one size in the patellar component, which was also a millimeter thick. So in essence, you know, we're removing another two, three, three and a half millimeters on the patella side with the composite thickness of both the cut and the implant. And that balanced 
the patellofemoral joint perfectly. And now the guy had, you know, 120 plus degrees of flexion. Rollback was great. PCL tension was great. Um, but again, it's one of these little facets where if you think of the knee as a cookie cutter paint by numbers, you know, I got my five, if, if you're doing your sort of mechanical alignment, five degrees of valgus, eight, nine, 10 millimeter resection, depending on what implant you're using by two or three or four millimeter resection off the medial side. If it's, you know, varus or how much you're going to measure off the lateral side, set your rotation, do your sizing, you know, and then you're thinking, okay, I just put it in and are my gaps balanced? Or maybe I did, you know, gap balancing, but however you do it, people always are thinking extension, tibia, femoral kinematics and flexion tibia femoral kinematics, but you have to keep in the back of your mind that the other part of that knee joint is the patella femoral joint, the patella femoral kinematics. And again, we can go and this could be like an hour long talk about medialization, lateralization, lateral releases, all those different things. But, you know, think, always think, you know, the composite thickness is not just the patella. Think of the whole entire joint and how much did you resect off the trochlea, the anterior cortex, what were you trying to make up? What is the thickness of the implant? What is the thickness of the patella before I cut it, after I cut it? How thick was the implant? How thick is the construct? You know, and then what does the extensor mechanism feel like? So if that is abnormally loose, you know, can you go to a thicker component at this point, you know, on the patella maybe? Um, but, you know, loose is bad because they're going to lose the effectiveness of the extensor mechanism. And tight is bad because they're going to have pain and they're going to have limited range of motion. So just like everything, it's got to be perfect. So keep all of those things in mind. You know, next time you're doing a knee replacement, look at all of those factors, keep them all in your mind as you're going through this case. It really is a, you know, choose your own adventure. And although you can make very good educated decisions throughout, you have to see what was the result of your decision at the end of the case and then decide, do I need to go back and modify something to balance that knee as perfectly as possible before you leave the operating room? So the patient has the best chance for success. So thanks again for listening. Um, you know, if you haven't subscribed already, please subscribe. If you do have a moment, um, it would be great if you could leave a review and share with your colleagues. Um, it is July, I think second now when I'm recording this. So it means all of the new PGYs, everybody's bumped up a year. Um, so you have a whole new incoming class of, uh, you know, PGY ones, um, share the information with them. They can start from the beginning, uh, and go through that whole process and kind of hear my thoughts and concerns, feelings, algorithms for, you know, how I address the knee, the approach, and then all the other, um, different classifications and all the information on the hips until next time. Keep reading, stay safe, stay healthy. I'm Adam Rosen. You've been listening to the Total Knee Tips and Pearls podcast. You've been listening to the Total Knee Tips and Pearls podcast. Make sure that you're subscribed so you'll be notified of future episodes. And please take the time to leave a review. It helps other people like you find the show. Until next time, stay safe.